Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Happy April, whatever day you're you're listening to this. It's April, and I'm Alan, and Brent's over there, and this is the AB Testing Podcast. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We are back again. We've just been doing this and doing this for over five years now. We started, actually, we started in April six years ago. We're coming up on our sixth anniversary together. Did, did you get me a gift? I did not. I didn't get you one either. Yeah, when? Oh, April. I think Interesting. episode one, I believe, was like mid-April, sometime in April. I'm looking. Of course you are. It wouldn't be an A-B testing podcast <laughs> yeah, if, if there wasn't a little hear... bit of typing from Brent in the background. <laughs> yeah, baby. Clickety, click, click, click. Interesting. I just went to Spotify. Something maybe you want to look at later, or maybe you can look at now. It's only showing up to episode 99 for A-B testing. Oh, that's interesting. Sort oldest to newest. Well, yeah, so it just says sometime in April 2014, so it's actually seven years. Oh, I missed a year. I lost a year during COVID. Yeah. Well, here we go again. Yeah, I scrolled right down to it. And actually, I don't know what Spotify you have. Mine says April 3rd, 2014, so literally tomorrow is our seven-year anniversary. Oh. I don't know what kind of crappy Windows version of Spotify you have, but mine actually gives dates. Does the you show all the episodes? You can it see does. My... Yes, I, I just yeah, all of them. Oh, yeah, interesting. Here's, I just saw episode one on your side. So anyway, let's do a podcast. But yeah, why don't we kick it off with a rant? And the rant can be why you were freaking late to the recording. Oh my god, um, I don't know what it is. Like people have. What's heard... the deal with people? I'm going to paraphrase one of my favorite quotes from the, from the Pope. Pope John Paul, he, when asked, how's life? He was known to say, life is fantastic. It's the fucking people that keep screwing things up. Right? Again, it's a paraphrase from the Pope. So just before our podcast, I was in a meeting. I pre-warned them. I had a hard stop. There was a couple people on the meeting that, that are that are kind of known for sort of being eb- unable to verbally focus even in the presence of pending urgency, and they kept on asking, uh, "Hey, one more question, one more guys, I have to go." And I said at three o six when I finally looked at it and, and I said, um, "All right, guys." Just, you need to set up another meeting. This is going to continue. And as I said, I have a hard stop of friggin' 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I don't understand sort of the desperation to some degree, although I know I am a difficult person right now to book meetings with. Um, I have far more people wanting to put meetings on my calendar than I have time to do. And I, I recently, along those lines, I recently had a one-on-one with an executive of mine and, and the team. I don't know if you've ever been in a team that did this, Alan. Um, have you ever been in a place where they had, like, meeting-free Fridays? I have. 
and usually they end up being meeting light Fridays. Yeah, so... The thing is, the whole company has to do it because otherwise, like, people from other divisions or groups who don't have meeting free Friday will book your time. That is not the problem I'm encountering. Uh, The problem I'm encountering is because of the edict and everybody trying to uh, satisfy it, number one, it makes the individual contributors super happy. So maybe at the end of the day, the right answer should be buck up buttercup. But uh, for managers, it's, it's sucky because what happens is you still have the same set of meetings. It's just now the only time you can actually get anything done is on Fridays on meeting free Friday. Right. And so I was explaining to my executive, I'm like, yeah, this is a blessing and a curse. It's not working well for me because people are now angry that they can't get on my schedule because there's one less day available to them. And then I'm getting increasingly annoyed if if I'm getting summoned into one of the following two things. Either a status meeting. Uh, boo. If you want to have these, have them. Uh, Just freaking leave me out. Or the worst, and this is the one, so I think I've shared with you before, I'm I do several presentations to executives, uh, Guthrie, um, although I haven't done one to Guthrie in a long time, I'm still part of the 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 leadership committee that is working through what we're messaging to Guthrie. Okay, and the friggin' pre-status meetings in order to prep oh, the God. deck for the friggin' status meeting is just death. It's just like just somebody figure out a way to hire a vendor to do this. <laughs> like, I don't want to be involved. So one thing I've been, a couple things. One, I just, I plan to end all my meetings five minutes early for uh, half hour meetings and 10 minutes early for hour meetings. Doesn't always work, but I do try and end them. But one thing it's a lot different for me at Unity than Microsoft is I have, I have a lot of meetings, but I manage a lot of people and probably half of my meetings are one-on-ones, maybe even a little bit more. There's a lot of meetings on the calendar. I feel like they're all very useful. I don't have meetings that piss me off. There are no status meetings. There are no prep for prep for prep meetings. And I like that. Brag, brag, brag. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that helpful advice. By the way, if you you check out my five for Friday, which you haven't yet because you've been in meetings all day, there is a link to a paper in there on... They did a bunch of research across like 40 or 50 companies on meetings. I think you might find some interesting insights in there. It's a paper called The Future of Meetings. Oh, I saw a couple links on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just the- like things that are based on research. Like, did you see, maybe we talked about this before. Again, another one from maybe a month ago. So I'm sure I mentioned it to you, but there was a uh, discussion. Sorry, it was a blog post based on some research of looking at three different companies, GitLab, yeah, Buffer, and one other one. What they found, I thought, was actually very much aligned with what I've seen. They saw that personal productivity is up, but teamwork is down. And it's true, people are cranking a lot of work out because they can. As managers, we seem to have a few more meetings. But 
I don't know if you've run into this, but there have been a few things that I knew if I just got the right four or five people in a room with a whiteboard for half a day, we could just get it done. And doing those things not together asynchronously just takes too long. I'm really beginning to notice that now as we're as we're getting our time apart longer and longer, that just getting a bunch of people to argue in a in a in a room for half a day gets a lot of stuff done. Uh, yeah, uh, but I think part of that is because getting people in a room gets them on the same page, and whether it's either explicitly or implicitly done, it has the effect of of aligning the principles like what we talked about before in terms of the principles around success right how do we know if this is done and then that helps to focus the work towards the highest roi towards those principles it's it definitely is alignment you we just can't get because sometimes alignment's easy sometimes it takes extensive debate I said arguing earlier, but I, I meant debate, but which I think is a good thing. If your organization, your people can't debate each other, you are blocked from action, from really doing anything important. And the debate just works better for the harder things when you're all together. That's all. That's all. So we have a topic that we can fit in easily in the rest of our time. We can go really deep, but we'll go about 39 minutes deep. And we hinted at this for the last two podcasts. It's, it's the, the personality type. You and I, Brent and I, have taken a whole bunch of different personality tests. Some we like better than others. They all have some value and some caveats. I thought it would be good just to dive through a few of those and what they told us and reflect a little bit whether, whether we found them valuable or not. So we should start with the classic, the MBTI the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And we have uh, said many times that Brent and I both belong to the rarest of the 16 groups. Is it the rarest? So we're INTPs. Yes. And that means we're introverts. We use intuition. We, what's T? I forgot T. I can give you the full, well, I'll give you the summation of the whole thing. T is thinker. That's right. So thinker versus uh, a feeler, right? Yeah, a thinker versus feeler, and the last one is is J versus P, and it's judger versus perceiver. And let me just stop me if I take longer than three minutes. Timer set. So Carl Jung is the was the one that actually uh, invented the this particular system. And uh, for those who may or may not be aware, he was a follower, acolyte, disciple, believer, whatever, of Freud. And what Carl Jung analyzed, so the, the, we review it as psychotyping, or we think of it as psychotyping. Uh, what the particular type of uh, study Carl Jung did was judging how people made decisions. That's how he, the whole four letters are all about the process of decision-making. So uh, I'll go through a couple examples. For example, I versus E, everyone knows that's introvert versus extrovert. But what a lot of people wrongly view it as is essentially 
how you feel about people or how shy you are or things of that nature. In actuality, both Alan and I are, are introverts, but I don't think anyone would call Alan or I shy. It's the difference between introvert and extrovert is essentially what are the types of topics they are interested in. And a, an extrovert is interested in what's known as objects. Introvert is interested in subject. So an example uh, I, I will use is, Alan, if I came out of the blue one day, here, here's a hypothetical situation. I come to you and say, imagine we are classmates, okay? And I said, Alan, what did you think of uh, yesterday's math test? Okay, how would you respond? It was a test. Okay, so a tautology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, why don't you do another more specific hypothetical response? It was fun. You can tell Brent didn't prep me with the stock answer. I like math. The test was fun. Okay, so that, that answer is actually a little bit better. Okay, because you said, I like math. The test was fun. An introvert will focus on, they, they think when I said, how do you feel about yesterday's math test? They think an introvert will, will respond with sort of the subject at hand. The math test is the high order bit. Okay, an extrovert will pivot around the word you. What were your feelings? Uh, oh, I was stressed. I things along those lines where an introvert might say, man, question number five was a pain in the butt, but I destroyed it, right? Uh, that's what I mean when they talk about introverts care more about subjects and extroverts care about yeah, and it's, objects. And it's also uh, where you get your energy from. You know, I can give like a conference talk or a workshop or whatever, and an extrovert afterwards is supercharged and wants to go do another one or run a marathon. I'm exhausted. I need to go by myself and have a nap. In a certain context, and I think, Alan, you've seen me do this before. If I'm in a group of people and I am talking about something that I know a lot about, I actually get jacked up because it, I love talking about the subject matter. Okay, but you put me in a place where we got to share personal feelings, talk about, uh, I don't, actually, you know what my biggest worst nightmare would be? It would, yeah, thanks. I, I don't even know why I set the stage this way with Alan. My biggest worst nightmare would be in a, would be something like a orchestrated thing. Let's say uh, you were mediating mediator. I was the one on stage and there was an audience of a hundred people. And the whole thing was about praising Brent for random things. Okay. So a whole hour dedicated to uh, just saying nice things to me about me. That would drain the crap out of me. Because uh, uh, whereas something where it was uh, uh, communicating faults about me, uh, unfortunately, uh, internally, I'm fairly certain I have massive self-esteem issues. I'd be a bored. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. 
So yeah. you're well over three minutes. All right, I'm gonna. Try. So we talked a little bit about I versus E, and the main thing there is does, uh, an introvert doesn't mean you're a shut in. Can you briefly talk about the other three dichotomies in the other three? Will actually be simpler once now that I've kind of gone through that. So, so I versus E is going to talk about what is a what are the types of content that energize you? Okay, is it uh, again, subjects versus objects. And I try to go into that because it's hard to distinguish. Next, N versus S is how do you gather data uh, on those particular things? Ns read in between the lines. It stands for intuition. They use their intuition. Ss stand for sensate. And Ss primarily don't read in between the lines. The facts speak for themselves. Uh, an example that I... W- often give on this would be if I came into your room, Alan, uh, let's say I came to your office and did a hit and run. And I said, Alan, uh, Bob just filed 20 bucks. And then I left. Okay. As an N you would go, why the hell did Brent say that? Why was, why did he feel it was important to me? An S might just move on and say, I, okay. I, I do think WTF Brent quite a bit. So that, that's, that, that, that stands up. Yeah, and that's that's uh, because you're an N, because you're trying to figure out what the hell is Brent saying? What the hell is Brent doing? S's, uh, again, the facts speak for themselves. They don't read in between the lines. N's kind of read in between the lines and, and leverage their intuition. Neither of these is, is right or wrong. Now, you gather the data. T versus F, F is how do you make decisions? T's will judge based off of a logical right versus wrong. One plus one equals two is right. One plus one equals three is wrong. Whereas feelers judge the decisions on a more emotional basis. Uh, good versus bad. And you can think of bad in a, a again, almost a morality, uh, a morality sense. An example I might give there is if you're if you're a Catholic and you are married and your and your spouse is abusing you, according to the Catholic tradition, getting divorced is bad. It's immoral, but it might be the right thing to do. Lastly, judger versus perceiver. This is now that you've made a decision. What's the likelihood? of you to stick with it and jays stick with their decisions once the decision's been made they're locked in p's are are far more flexible and the the way i describe this is if you imagine that a a decision tree where if this occurs then i go this way if that occurs i go this way etc jays jays and p's if you remember back to computer science, so imagine a binary search tree and J's are going down their binary search tree to make a decision. Once they've made a decision, the tree, the part of the tree that wasn't used is destroyed. It's gone because we did, they, don't, they don't need the tree anymore. Whereas a P, they'll go down and they'll make a decision, but their, their tree is is a prioritized uh, binary search tree and new inf- and they never destroy their tree. 
And when something new comes in, it, it actually adjusts the tree in a way that a, a new possible decision could be made. Cool. Which had the perception that they're, they're more spontaneous. So, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this, uh, we, have, we have some other personality types we want to get to. We're both INTPs. Yep. Let me read you from, I, have, I still have my copy of Working Together. I never got that one. The theme of the INTP is designing, not just in the artistic sense, but in the sense of precise arrangement of all the elements necessary for objective understanding of that part of the world that interests them. While many INTPs are drawn to science and math, the designing can be in many other realms, and they usually turn out to be superb strategists in whatever endeavor they take on. And then there's a whole chapter in here that very much describes the way I work in many cases. But what'd you think of that, Brent? Uh, it, it absolutely is, uh, describes me. I am definitely, I mean, it's essentially a system designer. Yep. Right? I, like, um, I, I love to, that's the thing I like to do. I, I love, we talk about systems thinking and the need for that. And I love just systems within systems and understanding how they all fit together and how the pieces and not just not just code, but how social systems work together and what you can change in culture to change output of on the other end. It's, it's just fun for me. It gives me energy. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it's me as well. I'm very good at seeing how the system works. So um, in in preparation for this, I want to get your feedback on this and we'll try. We'll talk about some of the other ones in preparation for this podcast. And there's your primer on Myers-Briggs, but I watched a movie that's on HBO called Persona. It's like Persona, the dark secrets of personality tests. I thought, well, this will be interesting. And I, a little bit of hyperbole in the title. Uh, I watched the movie and I agreed with the movie, but the movie wasn't really about the title of the movie. Okay. Oh, oh you're actually... You're actually showing me that INTPs are not the rarest. I read that once, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. The first time I took a test, I was an INTJ. And I know, I know why I'm an INTP, but we will not go it uh, now. And I'll just hint, it, it, it's... Okay. So now that you've distracted me, I don't even see INTP. There it is in the middle there. Okay. So that rare part, that's crap. Don't ignore me. Or ignore the data Brent showed. So what I was talking about, this movie, nothing wrong with the test itself. And I think it helps you figure out what gives you energy. And that, and that gives you, there's there's value in that. There's also value in understanding that different things motivate different people. Not everyone's alike. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. That's another good takeaway from uh, Myers-Briggs. This entire documentary special was all about was about companies who use personality tests, either Myers-Briggs or variations of it. Uh, there's a variation that's really just a ripoff called the Big Five, I think. But anyway, they use these to determine employment. Like they only want to hire a certain type of person. Interesting. Which I think is dumb in the first place. And But they managed to make this whole 90-minute documentary on how personality tests used as a hiring mechanism is bad. I knew that before I watched the movie, so I'm, I was a little disappointed. I thought they'd have something a little bit more, just even taking the test makes you weird or something. I don't know. But no, this, yeah, you can use the results wrong. And I've actually seen that a little bit. I've seen 
a manager go, ooh, I need a perfect team is one where I get one each of all 16 types. and Which <laughs> yeah. is, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. It's really just understanding what makes you click and understanding that what makes you click doesn't make other people click. That, that in, a, in a nutshell, is what I have come to learn. The most valuable thing about the Myers-Briggs um, and probably it allows you to introspect and and then sort of look at others once you once you have theirs. I mean, it's not going to tell you how to interact. It's good. All it's going to do is help you to understand yourself and others a little bit more and perhaps be a little bit more respectful of their point of view. There's no right or wrong. For me, Myers-Briggs helped helped uh, in a lot of regards to to sort of solidify, no, they're, they're looking at the world a different way, right? It's, it's like if I stood on the, on the front of the house and you, uh, you stood in the backyard. Are you like clicking a pen while you talk? And we tried to describe the house. We're both right, but, it, but it's a different perspective. Yep. And another one we had for that, uh, I'm segueing away here. And this one's kind of fun too. Another one we did at Microsoft for a long time was the insights. And oh. there's four colors and there's even kind of a uh, some colors in between. So I took this. So we both took this test and I have mine in front of me. I took it on May 8th, 2010. And I, I have the wheel. I'm trying to figure out how to read it. But I am. I thought I was. I remember being blue red. But I'm just blue. Both of my little pie graphs are in the blue. That surprises me. Yeah. So I don't know quite how to read this, but there is, when you take this, they give you a score and they also like write up a little computer generated thing. Here we go. So red was my second highest. So here's the bar graph. In my conscious persona, blue was 4.72 out of six and red was 3.36 out of six. So I'm definitely more. I'm definitely more in the blue. Yeah. Uh, if you, I'm holding up mine. Yeah, and you and definitely and you have you have more, way more red than me. You are definitely blurple. Blurple. Purple. Oh yeah. Blue. Blue. So, blue purple. So I'm bluer than you. The other thing to keep in mind is this thing. I don't know if you have. Yeah, that. yeah, I do. I have the exact same book. Uh, I hold yours up. Okay, so one thing is unique, and it looks like you're similar. The fact that the two lines are s similar in this. So for everyone listening, we're holding up a, we're each holding up a sort of a little video, and there's a circle that kind of shows you um, to what degree you're each of the four colors, and they do an evaluation around to what degree you're those four colors when you're conscious, it, as well as what they call less conscious or under stress. And for me, and what what it looked like for Alan, we're essentially the same person no matter what. No, you're definitely redder than me. But what I want to read for you, and maybe you have some of this highlighted as well, they, they give you a little printout that describes you after this test. And I highlighted the parts. This is like my owner's manual. But I'm going to read a couple to you, see what you think. Uh, and some lines up exactly with INTP. He can be a great designer of systems, uh, which he prefers to leave others to build. And that's absolutely true. 
Here's the highlighted line. His aim is to fit all the pieces of the jigsaw together into a complete picture. But for Alan, the jigsaw keeps expanding with the discovery of every new piece. And that is so 100% freaking true. That's, that's what I do every day. Every day I put pieces in and the, and the puzzle gets bigger. So I thought that was interesting even today. I'm going to read you a few more and you can grab a couple of yours. His interest lies in seeing possibilities beyond what is already present and known by using his insight, ingenuity, intellect. Uh, That's the strategist in me. He is intensely curious and is always seeking to find coherence in endless amounts of data. Uh Uh-huh. On decision-making. With a love of problem-solving, and I, I I, I absolutely do love it, with a love of problem solving, he can be very perceptive. There's my P and has a highly developed capacity for inner reflection. Let me show you just from the key strengths quickly gets to the root of a problem. Good situational analysis, couple more. And they, I think they're, they're pretty much aligned with things that I, I think I'm good at myself. I help avoid mistakes. Some of my value to the team is to help avoid mistakes. I won't read the rest. They're all, they're all, I could just go through them all. I'll try to see if one was more, better than the rest. I have one more circled. On communication, this is my favorite one. There's this thing that says, when communicating with Alan, do not, and it has things like dwell on trivia, which is why I hate you so much, Brent. Uh, But (laughs) but one of them is, do not get too close or touch him, which which I think is hilarious. The next time we do a podcast in person, it's gonna be big hug time, Alan. <laughs> Have you seen that? Um, uh, yeah, no, never mind. There's yeah, yeah, no, like the, not, not going to happen. Yeah, anyway, so, so this is called Insights. Uh, the company's still around that does this. Some of you have done this, but what have been, what's real quick, because I have two more I want to get through today. Uh, what have been your takeaways on Insights? Uh, so, first and foremost, I'll tell you uh, Insights and Myers Briggs are fundamentally the same thing. The, the color wheel is, um, is it just, is it just the letters? It's INT. INT is the only thing that they use. That's, that's why there's a lot of similarity between, uh, these things. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but with Myers-Briggs, even though they frame it as INT, it's actually a scaler. It's to what, if you're mostly I, they're just going to call you I. I used to have a whole, I couldn't find it in my pile of stuff. I had a whole big packet and it showed me where I was on a scale on those, but I've, I've, I've since lost it. So, uh, I'll, I'll read just a couple of mine, uh, and I'll pick them at random and hopefully none of them are too terribly embarrassing. Uh, a capacity for cool emotional detachment makes Brent a good decision maker because he thinks clearly under pressure he is a realist who sees things as as they are and is prepared to accept them as such he focuses on truth accuracy and productivity brent's skill at taking a long a very broad long-range view of things contributes to his reputation as something of a visionary he's logical and analytical and ingenious thinker uh, 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 hate the adjective there long-range planner and good at anything that requires rapid reasoning more he's logical 
he dislikes being criticized by others as oh yeah this is one of i probably should have done not a read but i'll finish it he likes he dislikes being criticized by others as he is already heavily burdened by his inner voice of self-judgment and <laughs> that's so true <laughs> and i like i try to suppress that but i will say to you and the three that is no one can criticize me better than me uh, i've gotten feedback in the past why does alan bash you on the podcast all the time i'm like it's really no big deal he has gotten nowhere close to the bashing i do late at night when i'm trying to sleep politically aware brent is normally comfortable with his decisions even in the face of possible conflict with others and more senior positions and oh my god is that true <laughs> uh, I will go, I have gone to senior executives and gone, uh, briefly go, is this a CLM? Yeah, probably is. Uh, am I going to adjust? No. Uh, thankfully, I'm currently under an executive that knows and values this. A strength, a forward-looking quick thinker, enjoys a challenge, Effective implement implementer will readily accept responsibility. A couple of weaknesses can be seen as curt and abrasive. Uh, takes on too much responsibility. Yeah, that one kills me, that last one. All right, that's enough so, of... Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> similar to Myers-Briggs, uh, it lets you know what your preferences are. It's, it's a little, you know, it's a, it's a nice horoscope, but, but valid. Again, the big takeaway there is people have to bring different strengths to the table. And it's good just to understand that. So speaking of strengths, we're going to talk about two more, which are different, not based on INTP. They're sort of based on different strengths. I, I, that, that's a bad name for it. We're going to talk about strength finders first, which is a thing Brent introduced me to. And it's um, a, there's a book called Strength Finders 2.0. I think it's the last one. And we both took the test from the book and it, it tells you some things you're good at and it's pretty good. But here's the difference here is despite us being very similar in what motivates us, our, our Myers-Briggs or our, or our insights, I don't, I think we maybe have one overlapping thing in our top five themes and strengths finders. I don't quite remember. Do you have yours in front of you? I, yeah, I'm sharing it on the screen oh, right okay. now. I have it. Yeah. Okay. I don't have yours anymore. Mine are in front of me here. So my, I'll do Brent's first. Brent's top five themes are, are those it? Those you highlighted? Ideation, relator, restorative, individualization, analytical. And I don't recall what those are. Maybe we'll, if you have a chance to just walk through those briefly in a moment, we'll do that. But mine are strategic, learner, achiever, our one overlap, analytical, and intellection strategic learner analytical and achievers over analytical and intellections at the bottom okay so maybe we'll do yours let me just talk just briefly so i can model what briefly sounds like to brent uh, what was what, the bottle what was the last one intellect intellection oh okay so i'm just going to read like the top sentence so you know what these mean so strategic is my top one people who are especially talented in the strategic theme create alternative ways to proceed faced with any given scenario they can quickly spot the relevant patterns and issues now you see some of my intp bleeding into that but the way i apply it here is 
I have a knack. I'm developing a better and better knack for figuring out the best way to get something done and, and, and to adapt that as needed. Learner, I've talked about my passion for learning many, many times. Uh, people who are especially talented in the learner theme have a great desire to learn and want to continuously improve. In particular, the process of learning rather than the outcome excites them, and that's true as well. For achiever, people who are especially talented in the achiever theme have a great deal of stamina and work hard. They take great satisfaction in being busy and productive, and yes, I like to be by myself because I'm an introvert and crank out a crap ton of work. Analytical, again, our one overlap. People who are especially talented in the analytical analytical theme search for reasons and causes. This is that your whole job, right? They have the ability to think about all the factors that might affect the situation. There's that systems thinking again. And finally, for me, my fifth one was intellection. People who are especially talented in the intellection theme are characterized by their intellectual activity. They are introspective and appreciate intellectual discussion. And I actually, I don't recall how many of the different strengths there are, make up this thing. Gives you your top five. 34. 34. Those are my top five. So can you read the one sentence about each of yours? So, cause I don't think anybody would know what they mean by the title. Yeah. So I'll just go through all 10 really quickly. Strategic, Sorry, on yours, strategic. Uh, strategic, given a goal, they are just phenomenal at finding the path to it. You can't put a roadblock in front of a strategic. Okay, uh, that's correct. Learner, love learning. They don't care if they ever use it, they just love learning. Achievers, love to get shit done. The way I describe achievers is they cannot stop Stand a, a to-do list that doesn't have a check mark in the box. Uh, the, the, like my favorite the, thing. These are the, all eerily true. Achievers, their biggest nightmare is being idle. They can't, they cannot stand it. They do not like being idle. Uh, analytical uh, in summation, they are just fantastic at answering the question, Why? and they just do it over and over again, they understand why, okay? And then intellection is, is functionally the, the equivalent of learner, except they enjoy the process of thinking about stuff. Intellection is, is like, that's what I said, they like thinking, okay? Now my strengths, number one, ideation. Ideation is, uh, you could also think of it as out of the box, thinker, they can see how concepts, what you do with strategic, I do with ideas. I can connect the dots between ideas and get there and go, oh, that's connected to this and that connected to that, that, and that, and that. For example, uh, I think I shared this before, I once solved the BBT problem by scheduling an office move. Uh, and that's, that's because I understood that the BVTs were actually broken eventually because someone was demoralized because they weren't in, in an office that made them happy or felt appreciated. A relator is someone good at talking with people in a one-on-one -on -one basis. They're also well known for being driven towards partnerships. They really like collaborative partnerships. A restorative is similar to achiever. Achievers love to get shit done. 
a restorative loves to bro- uh, fix broken shit. So I don't have a problem being idle. If there's nothing broken to fix, I'm good. I'm happy. But you, you, you take a, a particular set of problems and frame it as a problem to solve. Um, I'm on it. And nothing frustrates me more than a problem that doesn't stay fixed. An individualizer, uh, actually, it's funny because an individualizer is essentially someone who understands the unique strengths of unique individuals. So these type of tests in general will speak a lot more to someone like me than uh, to someone who doesn't have individualization in their strength list. Uh, they're, They're very meaningful to me. And then analytical, we already covered. Yeah, and probably worth mentioning, and again, actually, I'll just ask you, what do you use this for? You take this test, tells you what you're good at, you go, yep, I'm good at those things. Oh, the thing I love about the Strength Finders test versus the other ones is that these are talents. They're not psychotypes. And because they're talents, they can be turned into or away from just sort of personality characteristics and and be turned into something that you can control, use, grow, and learn. Yeah. So then to build on that and to segue, when I did Finders, what it did for me was it underscored what I was good at and liked doing. But if other things came up, those were things I needed to either partner with somebody else with or delegate in order to get those done. Uh, it helped me figure out like these are the things I do. Other stuff, maybe I sh- I'm not going to do as well. I should work with somebody to do those if if needed. And then, as I mentioned a couple times ago, and we'll talk about the last one. And we're actually don't know Brent's results on this one. We're going to talk about it live here. Uh, Pat Lencioni, one of my favorite authors, author of Five Dysfunctions of a Team, uh, a big fan of of the Myers Briggs Type Indicator, talks about it in a few of his books. Uh, recently, came up with the something similar in leadership traits, leadership talents uh, called the working genius. I took this test and it basically there's six kinds of working genius, discernment, galvanizing, wonder, tenacity, enablement, and invention. And there's probably two of these you're really good at. It says two you can do if needed and two are a struggle for you. I was actually surprised with one of my working frustrations, those bottom two, but my top two are, and I'll talk about what these are, maybe I won't go into all the rest, are discernment and galvanizing. These are really leadership traits, not really the talents like in StrengthsFinders. So what this means is in discernment, I am good at and enjoy using intuition and instincts to evaluate and assess ideas or plans, which you've been listening to the rest of the podcast. We're pretty much saying the same thing again. And galvanizing is, and this is something I've begun to enjoy, especially maybe over the last five years of my career as I've been managing larger and larger teams, galvanizing is you are good at and enjoy rallying people and inspiring them to take action around a project task or idea. But then again, you could take that all the way back to Test Architect Group and QTech and some of the communities I ran at Microsoft. I like figuring out how to bring people together to get crap done. But I won't go into the rest because I want to hear um, on yours, your two working geniuses are different than mine. Uh, I thought discernment was one of yours. Uh, actually, no, I sorry, b- bad eyes. Uh, discernment yeah. was one of mine. So yeah. we share so, discernment, which again right. is is that is that INTP trait. But go on. 
So I was just looking at it. It's discernment is the gift of intuitively and instinctively, right? That, that's reeking of an end right there uh, from Myers-Briggs, evaluating ideas and situations. Yeah, and that is absolutely something that I am I'm good at and people come to me. They, they Well, actually, if you think about it here at Microsoft, Alan, we, um, when we well before it happened, sort of began to predict the demise of, of test, right? Um, we we, after it we occurred, pay attention I, to what the system looks like, yeah. I Afterwards, I had a bunch of people coming to me uh, and saying, wow, you were really pres- prescient as if, you know, it was a superpower and I had ESP or some crap like that. And no, it was essentially saw how how the wind was blowing, saw all the different motivational factors. And for me, it was like, oh, yeah, this is not only going to happen, it's going to happen pretty quick. But invention, you are good at and enjoy creating original and novel ideas and solutions, right? That's where you and I are different. And it yeah. resonates straight with, right? The closest thing it aligns with is what the Strength Finder said. Yeah, My number that makes one sense. is, right? And um, just to talk on that for a second, and I totally agree, that's in my bottom section. I am not an inventor. I'm a really, really good adapter, which is why I love learning. I want to take other people's ideas and figure out how to make them work in the scenario I'm in. But new stuff, that's not my thing. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder. Your, so wonder. So galvanizing was in your top. So I'm guessing... Do we share wonder in the middle one? Yeah, wonder's in the middle. And wonder is uh, being, you're capable of and don't mind pondering the possibility of greater potential and opportunity given situation. I oh. I like that. Um, I It isn't, doesn't give me the same joy that discernment and galvanizing do. So that makes sense. Yeah, and then tenacity Given that you have Achiever in your top five, I'm fr- surprised Tenacity... Is Tenacity in your middle? Yeah, Tenacity's in my middle. Oh, okay. All right. Then that makes more sense. Enablement and Tenacity are my bottom two. And um, it's what's funny, Enablement's in my bottom two as well. I have Enablement and, and the aforementioned dis, uh, invention. Yeah, the closest I come to sort of driving that energy is is in my partnership relationships. Like it's, let's do this together. Right? Then my excitement is is genuine. I'm not the world's best at at you know sitting back and and just blatantly uh, encouraging, which is how I interpret by providing others with encouragement and assistance for. Pro- so assistance I do all the time, but yeah, it says I don't derive energy from it. No, it's, it's, it, it is often a drain. When someone comes and asks me for assistance, I, I'll just admit up front. The first thing is like, God damn it. Here's another person coming and stealing my time and <laughs> making it harder for me to get shit done. Yeah. And the idea yeah. behind this one specifically, the one I mentioned, I took sort of uh, inherently from strengths finders is, is Lencioni says, these things are hard for you. Be better off if you found a way to delegate or partner with someone else to get them done because you don't, they don't make you happy. So what his uh, working genius categories helps you figure out like what are the things you enjoy? What can you do? What do you not like doing? And they're fairly accurate. It doesn't, it doesn't define you. 
It's really just to help you figure out what sorts of things maybe you want to balance other people. It's like if I have two people on my team who are having a hard time working together, I may, maybe I could look at these and figure out that may give me give me some insights why. I don't know. But I like them. I, I, again, there's probably a dozen more different sort of personality or what are you good at tests. Uh, I did take my, surprisingly, I took my what house are you in Harry Potter test and uh, I was a little surprised and probably not surprised to our listeners, but I am a Slytherin. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, that that humors me. Uh, I forget which one it is. I'm the blue one. Oh, did you did you uh, take that one? <laughs> I did. Uh, blue. The, what's the blue house? Uh, Gryffindor? No. Um, Not Gryffindor. You're boy. probably a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw. You're probably a Ravenclaw. Uh, with Harry, oh, not Harry, Harry Potter, Ravenclaw. Yeah. 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 These, these are basically the nerds of Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. For some reason, uh, I I, that, for some reason, I'm more of a kind of jerk than a, uh, than a nerd. Slytherin. Can I find, what is this website? Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't Unclear, uh, Slytherin, because I, I actually read it once, and it, it's, I mean, it's not just the house of evil bastards, I believe. No, it is. No, plenty of good people came from the house of Slytherin. But anyway, we would love your questions if you've taken some of these and have some feedback, but there's a little insight into our thoughts on these, uh, what makes us tick and click, and curious to hear what you have to say about it. It was fun talking through them. I was excited to see your uh, to finally compare our working genius results. Okay. Ah, here, here you go, Alan. Actually, it makes sense. I, I just went to the web. The number, number one and number two for the House of Slytherin, resourcefulness and determination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Not a bad thing. No. All right. Let's call it a day. I'll edit this tomorrow. If you're on one of the three dot slack.com, you can listen to this tomorrow or wait. Can you actually listen to something tomorrow ever? No. You can listen to this today for you. Whatever. Today's Friday. I'm going to post this podcast edited uh, on Saturday. <laughs> I got stuck in a little time loop there. And then it'll yeah. go live to the rest of the world on Monday. You can catch it then. Brent, it was fun hanging out. Uh, have a good weekend. You do the same. And the Alan. three have a good weekend as well. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, all On A-B testing. Podcast. Bye.